0: Welcome to Query, where we provide simple answers to complex tech questions. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Serenity Caldwell. Hey, Ren.
1: Hey, how's it going, Stephen?
0: It's good. Episode 25. Nice round number.
1: It's a quarter of a hundred episodes we've gotten to.
0: Yeah, rocking and rolling. So if you're new to the show, uh, welcome. What we do is we talk about kind of big topics in tech, but then we also answer a lot of listener questions, and that's what this episode is. We had a lot of questions. Uh, we kind of took some time off of questions to talk about the HomePod for a couple of weeks, but now we're back on the question game. And uh, this is a, a really interesting question you found to kick this off. So late night Lizzie asks or says, "I just upgraded to a Series Three Apple Watch, and I can no longer." Unlock my MacBook Pro running macOS Sierra. I've revisited third-party apps I've used in the past, but seen unable to find one that works. Do you have any idea what's going on and what would work? Thanks. So, what's what's the deal? Our new watch, MacBook Pro running Sierra. No, no, no auto unlock love.
1: No auto unlock love. So this has to do with how the W two chip and your Mac talk to each other and authentication. Um, when Apple upgraded to the series three or when they made the series three watch, they upgraded from the W one chip that's found in the AirPods and in all the other Apple watches to a new fancy W two chip, um, that has, you know, all sorts of good benefits. Um, uh, but on the downside, uh, it currently does not work with macOS Sierra. Um, originally we figured when we found this out, um, a couple, uh, couple Reddit users actually found this out first by att- – they got their Apple Watch a little bit early before mm-hmm. High Sierra was released, and then they tried to – in fact, Stephen, I'm pretty sure you were one of those users. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, r- I wrote about it pretty, pretty early on because I was really surprised. Like, okay, at the time, uh, Sierra was um, the most up-to-date OS – Hi Sierra didn't ship until a couple weeks after this, mm-hmm. and my fancy new Apple Watch that I pre-ordered and went to the Apple Store to pick up couldn't unlock my iMac, and it really, uh, it really surprised me. And I, I totally like just went in with the idea of oh, there'll be a Sierra release and they'll get all this working, but that's not what happened.
1: Yeah, uh, and to clarify, it's we're not quite sure whether. Apple has just decided, no, we're not going to patch Sierra, or whether it was on their roadmap to patch Sierra to, to work with the W-2, and then all of the bugs in High Sierra happened, <laughs> and all of the security bugs specifically, because Auto unlock is part of the security team. Yeah. Uh, so without the time to work on a fairly minor bug... Uh, from their perspective, right? From our perspective, it's really frustrating. Um, if you have if you' were keeping on Sierra for you know business reasons or you have an older app that's not compatible yet, or you're just you're a little wary of the bugs that have come and gone in, in high Sierra land, like it's very frustrating to be like, I have my fancy new Apple watch. Why can't I use Sierra? Um, but from I can imagine from Apple's perspective, it's the, well, you know, on the scale of, like, critical bugs, like people being able to access your root uh, library or your root, your root user, as opposed to, oh, uh, you know, you can't use Series 3 to auto-unlock with Sierra, but all the machines that support High Sierra also support Sierra, so from their minds, they're like, well, that's an easy fix. You just upgrade your OS and everything's fine. Uh, but that's yeah. not so helpful for the folks who are like, I don't really want to upgrade my OS just yet. I want to stay on on Sierra. Uh, so that's kind of the background of all this. Here is what you can do, Lizzie. There are a couple of different options. I agree in that the third-party app situation is not fantastic because it's by and large been put by the wayside. Uh, people are more or less using their Apple Watch uh, as an unlock and a second authentication tool. But um, of the third-party apps, I think the best one and only, really the only one I've trusted uh, to do this is Knock and Knock to Unlock. Um, it's, it worked quite well, um, and it's supposedly still updated for Sierra, and you should work with your Apple Watch. Uh, that said, I think you're right in that perspective where it's just third-party apps really haven't been focused on updating for this feature because everybody kind of was like, well, Apple has Sherlocked me. Why am I going to continue? Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why am I going to keep
1: working on this and spending valuable development time? So the alternative solution, which is the solution that Apple wants you to use, and I'm still not completely thrilled about it, which is you can upgrade to High Sierra. If your MacBook Pro is currently running Sierra, you have the opportunity to run it. And if you are concerned about either bugs or you have compatible programs um, or incompatible programs, rather, my best advice is to partition your hard drive. Um, If you're really, if auto unlock is something that you really want to use, but you're not like 100% on board the High Sierra train just yet, I would, there's, it's really easy to do now in this day and age to make kind of a micro partition of Sierra, like keep your Sierra on like a smaller partition and then have a completely separate user account and partition on your hard drive that runs high Sierra. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Or you could, you could even, if you have, like I had a client, I think we spoke about this, had an older version Mm -hmm. of Photoshop that doesn't work under high Sierra, but they only used it. Once or twice a quarter for like one very specific thing, and one thing uh, we looked at was, you know, installing something like Parallels and running Sierra in a virtual machine. So he turns it on, and we'd Photoshop in it, and you know that's that's a lot of work. But there there there's a very real thing that not everyone can go to the newest OS. Um, I don't know if any of that's worth this one feature like it's really nice like um it's nice that I can sit down at my iMac and it unlock or I open my MacBook Pro and it unlocks it's really cool but I don't know if it's like super like this is do all this upheaval mm. to make it work your
1: workflow isn't broken because you can't use on auto unlock it's just a cool <laughs> fun
0: thing that doesn't work anymore <laughs> it is and it is like I really like it and my, I'm sure like you my login password to my iMac and my MacBook Pro. It's obnoxious. It's pretty yeah. complicated, you know. Having the watch, just you know, I sit down at my desk and it's so smart. So, like in front of me is my iMac Pro, and generally I have my MacBook Pro kind of plugged in on the side of my desk. Sometimes it's open and doing stuff. Sometimes it's closed, but it knows which computer I'm interacting with. It never unlocks the wrong one. Like it is. It's a really nice feature, but it's. Um, I don't think it's the end of the world if you don't have it.
1: I mean, I think at the end of the day, also. Um, I did actually put in a comment to Apple. I was like, "Hey guys, is this gonna get fixed anytime?" And I haven't heard back from them yet. But if we do hear back, um, we will definitely let you know, Lizzie. And for now, I would I would assume positive intent at this point. I would assume that it is on the roadmap, but it may, just may not get patched for a while because there have been more pressing security problems in the the Mac sphere as of late. <laughs>
0: All right, so we've got a lot more. This next question is really interesting. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor. This episode of Query is brought to you by Pingdom. Pingdom is the company. They offer uptime monitoring and web performance management. You're more familiar with Pingdom than you may think because Pingdom are helping keep your favorite sites online. Things like Squarespace, BuzzFeed, Netflix, a little podcast network named Relay.fm. I got a Pingdom alert today because our server was rebooted. And my watch said, hey, Stephen, your website's down. And then 30 seconds later, hey, Steven, your website's back up. Really great. If you've used these sites and you haven't run into any trouble, you can thank Pingdom for that because they do that uptime monitoring that we use, but they do so much more. Because the truth is, websites are sophisticated and they're complicated, they have many different moving parts. You may have a contact form, e commerce checkouts, user logins, search. And loads more. And what's really cool, Pingdom lets you check the availability of all these functions. So it's not just is your site up or down, but maybe your site's up, but your e commerce checkouts are down. That's really bad because you want those users to hit that buy button. Pingdom is smart. They know what your site is doing and how it's performing. And they care about the important interactions people have on your site. And they let you know when something's not working. And it's super easy to get started. You don't have to install anything on your server or change anything. All you have to do is give Pingdom the URL that you want to monitor and they just take care of the rest. Go to pingdom.com/relayfm right now for a 14-day free trial. There's no credit card required for that. And when you do sign up and you will because it's a very useful utility, use the code query at checkout to get a massive 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and Relay FM.
1: Next, we're going to take a step back from Apple Watch and go into the magical, mystical world of iCloud. Uh, William is asking, is there any way that you can download or sync iCloud to a portable external drive, especially one that's not always connected? Uh, This is a great question, uh, William, especially because uh, iCloud is great, you know, as a syncing tool, but uh, I think people forget that, you know, just like any online backup service, you generally want to have two parts. You want to have that online backup service, but you also want to have something tangible. So you absolutely know that your data is covered and taken care of. Um, so can you do that for iCloud, Stephen?
0: You can. You're doing it in a couple of different places in a couple of different ways. And of course, there's a support document in the show notes uh, that talks about this. Um, and, uh, you know, you could do it manually. You could do it sort of you know automated uh, automated fashion uh but there's a bunch of different ways to do it depending on what you have so with something like iCloud drive files they're already on your Mac and you can simply copy them somewhere else you know copy them to an external hard drive um if you have photos if you have the option in photos checked to keep all your files locally then they're backed up with time machine we've talked a lot about photos uh, over the course of this show if you're syncing them just to iCloud and don't have full res copies can jump through some more hoops there um you got a bunch of other stuff here. You've got uh, things like contacts and calendars. Both of those applications have export functions built into the file menu. You just go file export, and you get a little data file with all your calendar stuff or all your contact stuff. And those, what's really cool about contacts and calendars is they are—that's a pretty much universal format. So you could upload those contacts or calendars to another cloud service if you wanted to. What or else use we it got? To what switch
1: have, things? <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. Reminders is the same way. Which I didn't know before this. Reminders has a export options. You kind of get all your stuff in a format that's sort of usable. Notes is a little bit different. Um,
1: it's trickier.
0: Yeah. So you don't have like a, Hey, save everything in these folders, but you can basically export any note that you want as a PDF. So it's not like a kind of all at once type deal. And you may be able to automate some of this. I didn't really play with this in automator or keyboard maestro. It is. Uh, it's a little bit trickier with notes, but still totally doable. Yeah,
1: I'm curious. I didn't check before uh, before the show, but I wonder. Yeah, there are there are third party uh, there are third party apps that can let you export notes, including one called Note to awesome. Text, which we'll put in the show notes, um, and that'll allow you awesome. to export all of your notes as plain text, so you don't have to go through the single note PDF nonsense. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I'm opening notes now. I have, uh, let's see, uh, 495 notes in here. That would take a long where time. Where do you, to where do you see the
1: count? I'm um, kind of curious. And now I'm...
0: Uh, if you highlight them all oh. and try to drag them, it gives you a little... But then notes uh, start speech balling for me on my
1: oh my very okay. computer. Okay, I'm just going to close yeah. that and walk away. Just crash my computer.
0: <laughs> so the moral of the story is iCloud stuff you can back up, but it's sort of piecemeal. Um, this isn't really part of the answer. But one thing I really like about Google services is Google has a web tool called Google Takeout. You can run it however often you want. You basically select the services that you want and then you get a zip file of all that stuff. I think Apple could do more on the iCloud.com side of things to make some of this easier as opposed to just having to have a Mac to sit down and do it one by one. So I would, for one, like, to see Apple improve this in the future.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, one thing I will want, I do want to note, it's not, it's like a little side note on this question is if you, for whatever reason, have lost data or you're worried about uh, recent, like you deleted something and you recently want to change it. Uh, iCloud.com actually does have a way to restore old information, mm-hmm. which is also really helpful. Um, it's obviously it's not going to save you from everything, Uh, But I did want to highlight that as, like, that is an option for downloading all, like, some of your stuff in bulk, including, like, contacts and calendars, um, without necessarily having the app itself open, which is nice.
0: It has uh, some, like, undo, delete stuff, I think, for notes. Again, it's sort of different for every service. There's not Mm -hmm. really, like, a universal, like, all iCloud services work this way. Because iCloud is really a... uh,
1: it's an sort amalgamation of, a, of services. Yeah. It's like <laughs> a
0: marketing name for a bunch of different little things that live next to each other.
1: Yeah, and I agree with you, Steven. Hopefully Apple will at some point uh, figure out a way to unify them in a nice package because I think they they're pretty cognizant of, of backup and the importance of having multiple backups. So I'm I'm hoping oh, yeah. they'll maybe someone, an engineer, decides to listen to this podcast and is like, hmm, maybe I'll put that <laughs> yeah. on my feature list for two it's years from now.
0: Big old, big old backup button. Yeah. I think that brings us uh, to the speed run.
1: Yay! All right. I got a question for you, Steven, to start us off. Jason asks, I've inherited a non-functioning case of an early 2009 Cheese Grater Mac Pro. Oh, I love those. Will standard PC components fit into this case to allow me to build a new computer?
0: I feel like this question was, like... Just written just for me. It's the perfect Stephen <laughs> question. I mean, question. It, it
1: might have been, Stephen, because they are asking it to our podcast.
0: It's true. It's a one of two of us. <laughs> so I did a way more research on this than I should have. And there were a bunch of YouTube videos. I didn't find, like, like this is the one to watch. I'm not going to link to anything in the show notes. But there were a bunch of fun YouTube, a bunch of forums of, like, hey, I have a cheese grater. I want to build something else into it. A lot of people are building Hackintoshes into them or just straight PCs. Unfortunately the screw bosses and stuff inside this case are not standard. So it's like, you can take the Mac pro logic board out and like screw in an ATX board. Like they're all, it's all custom in there, but it's totally doable. Yeah. People have done it by like putting a new backing plate in and then mounting new screw bosses to that. What it'd be a fun project, Jason, but I think in reality, I think it'd be a lot of work. Like it would be really cool to have it done. Like you fire this thing up and it, you know, runs something awesome. But, uh, if you just want to build a, a good-looking PC or a good-looking Hackintosh, you, you can get a lot of great-looking cases out there. Some even look like this, and uh, and you'll be set. So I think what my recommendation is is from a 2014 MacRumors forum post where somebody took uh, two G5 towers, which are basically the same externally, and turned them into a bench. Like, it's the most beautiful piece of furniture I've ever seen, and I kind of want to build one for my office now. So – uh, maybe, uh, maybe build some furniture instead. It will be probably much less work.
1: <laughs> oh my God. This is, we're, it's good. we're it's good, just right? turning it into a furniture yeah. change or a furniture reupholstering. Yeah. Sir, I don't even know how to describe this.
0: I could use some more seats out here in my studio. Maybe I, cause I have a cheese grater. Uh, maybe I get a second one and do something fun with them.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jason, send the, send the cheese grater shell to Steven to make a bench and then buy yourself a nice, uh, <laughs> a nice compatible. One for your Macintosh.
0: Yes. Save, save yourself some headache. Uh, Jude writes in and says, I've been moving all of my pictures into the Photos app, and I know how to add photos to an album, but is there a way to identify all pictures not currently in an album?
1: This is a great question.
0: It's great.
1: And yes, you can, Jude. It's, uh, it's actually really simple, uh, thanks to Smart Albums, which unfortunately only work on photos per, for Mac, yeah. uh, but hopefully when you're talking about moving your pictures into the Photos app, that's what you mean, and you're not trying to save pictures one by one into photos for iOS, fingers crossed. Uh, but if you are on the Mac, you can use Smart Albums, uh, which can be found under the File button. Now, they call, they're call they called Smart Albums, but really what they are is more of smart searches, um, Yeah. It's allowed so you can essentially choose uh, different search terms and operators. So in this case, uh, we'll set up a smart album that essentially says album, you know, this these photos are not in this album. Uh, I think the specific command here is album is not any, <laughs> which is a, a bit of a strange uh, grammatical <laughs> sentence. I'm yeah. sure Yoda, Yoda would have some feelings about this. Um, but yeah, so you can set that up. And it will give you a certain amount of items matched. You can press OK, and then hopefully that will help you uh, help you find some photos.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I really like this question because I do this. So I, it sounds like Jude's the same way, I want all of my pictures in albums. I'm very album heavy. That's kind of how I organize and how I think about think about my photos. And so for me, this was something that I already had up and running. Uh, I have it named asterisk space, not in albums, so it sorts to the top iCloud photo library is doing its thing and you know a couple times a week or once a week I'll open photos on the Mac and I'll go into there because I know this is everything in the library that I haven't sorted yet and I'll save what I want delete what I don't and then uh, and then I'm set so it's it's a really handy way to sort of keep tabs on this if you are a um, if you're a heavy album user like I am
1: yeah so I hope hopefully that will help you Jude and uh, good luck in the photo. Uh, so for our third question, uh, we could have taken a stab at answering it ourselves, but instead, Steven, I have a better idea. I think we should go to the phones and uh, f- dial a friend. Is that what it used to be called? And uh, yes. who wants to be familiar? We're going to we're going to phone a friend um, to answer this next question. Could you discuss the pros and cons of hubless home kit light switches, uh, for instance, Leviton versus hub required switches like Lutron? And for our phone-a-friend, we are going to talk to, Drumwell, please, Micah Sargent.
2: There is some good news about uh, the difference between hubless and hub-required switches. Uh, It's a good way to put it, by the way. Um, That it it depends entirely on the size of your setup, whether or not these pros and cons really start to matter. Uh, If you're planning on getting just a couple of, of light switches, uh, you're not going to see too many differences between the two products. But as you start to add switches, that's where I think you're going to start to want to consider things. And so that's why in the end, I'm actually going to suggest regardless of the setup, that the hub required switch is going to be your best bet. So let me explain. Um, Of course, a a hubless uh, light switch means that the product is directly connecting to whatever device you have in your house that's sort of running the show. So uh, in HomeKit, that's usually like an Apple TV or an iPad that you have at home or a HomePod um, or directly with your iPhone or or iPad, depending on what kind of setup you have. And a uh, hub required switch is going to use a hub, a bridge uh, that's connected to your router and it is the one that's sending communications to and from the different switches within your house. So the good thing about those is that this the the, the bridge itself, the hub itself, its primary purpose is to communicate directly with those switches and control them and do everything that is supposed to be done when it comes to controlling all these different devices. It doesn't have to think about anything else. It's not, you know, a multi-purpose device. It's just set to do that. So it tends to be very, very good at its job. It's essentially a specialist. Um, the other thing that that I think is uh, an important difference to consider, is pricing. Uh, typically, typically, when you look at the way that things are set up, uh, you'll find that devices that don't require a hub uh, tend to cost a little bit more uh, per product. And that's because all of the wireless smarts have to be built in directly to the device. And so that can end up costing a little bit more money. Whereas with a hub, uh, the wireless communications that are are sort of translating between Wi-Fi and whatever sort of uh, communication protocol the devices are using. That's happening on the hub. And so the individual uh, products that go into your wall don't need all of that extra uh, stuff packed in, so to speak. And so you can easily and inexpensively add more and more products to your setup without it becoming an issue. And that's the other thing that I think plays a big role in it is if you're planning on sort of decking out your home with these switches, almost always a hub system is going to be your best bet. That's because it tends to be a lot easier to organize and to control these devices. Uh, I'm going to compare it to the Philips Hue setup for a second because there is I have yet to come across a product that is more responsive, more quick to respond to my controls than the Philips Hue lighting setup that I have in my house. Because the hub, the bridge, can focus entirely on doing the job of communicating with these different light bulbs that are throughout my house, it's... An incredible device to, to, to do I mean to do exactly what I want it to do. And I think that's going to play a role as well. Uh, the last thing to consider though is how spread out and how big your home is and your your sort of lighting setup is going to be. That's because if you do have these, these switches that are individually providing the Wi-Fi or Bluetooth connection, um, God forbid, uh, but Wi-Fi connection we'll go with, uh, to communicate with them, to, to control them, um, depending on how far they are away from your router and the bridge that's connected to it, you could start to see some issues. In most cases, that's not going to be an issue. But if you live in a Shaquille O'Neal-sized mansion or something like that, then, then you got a little bit of a problem because you're going to want to be able to control those individually and have those connections be more local. Um, So ultimately when it comes down to it, uh, the pros of hub required switches far outweigh the cons of them. With a hubless design, Again, you don't have to plug anything into a router. That's the big pro. There's no extra switch that you have to worry about that you plug directly into the router and remember that it's there. And also it means that you can control each of those devices individually and remove them from your HomeKit setup uh, easily. With a hub-required switch... Again, you gotta you gotta have something plugged in, but I've found that responsiveness is so much better, and I've also found that it's much easier to organize your your lighting in that in that way. Because if I don't want the Philips Hue lights, or I need to like reset the Philips Hue lights, it's so much easier to just reset the bridge than to have to go through and reset individual lighting or control individual lighting to uh, make those adjustments. So if you're going to be doing lots of automations, if you are planning on having your lights turn on when you get home based on location awareness or uh, have lights switch off whenever you uh, control certain other products or what have you... um, something to keep in mind is, again, a bridge or a hub is going to be a great tool for making these things happen. That's because instead of things having to happen sort of software side, sort of programmatically uh, within your HomeKit setup, things are happening by controlling the bridge, by controlling the hub that will then go out and sort of communicate individually with those devices. So, think of it like a a product that has to do, you know, 15 other things and also control your individual light switches. You're going to run into some issues I think with automation a little bit easier than if you just have a single device, the bridge or the hub that is communicating and controlling it's it's grand central station and it is taking care of all of those automations it's going to work a lot better so best of luck in choosing your setup i of course recommend the hub required switch and have and use lutron light switches in my own home Uh, but certainly understand that for some people the few pros uh, for smaller setups that the hubless design has makes sense for some yeah, I, th- I think Micah is now officially
0: the query uh, HomeKit reporter in the field.
1: Yeah, which is good. Because... <laughs> He's
0: out on a field chasing down HomeKit accessories.
1: He's unscrewing, uh, unscrewing light bulbs and installing ceiling fans, all of the uh, hanging off blinds that go up and down by themselves. So thank you, Micah. We appreciate you.
0: Uh, And thank you for listening to Query. If you want to find links to the stuff we've spoken about this week, you can do so in the podcast app you're listening to right now or on our website, relay.fm slash query slash 25. We'd like to thank Pingdom for sponsoring this episode. If you want to submit questions to the show, all you have to do is tweet with the hashtag AskQuery. In the meantime, you can follow Serenity there as Saturn, S-E-T-T-E-R-N, and you can find her excellent and very helpful writing at iMore.com. I'm ISMH on Twitter and write 512pixels.net. If you liked this podcast and you like nerdy content, go over to relay.fm slash shows. We have a ton of stuff that I think you'll really enjoy. And until our next episode, Serenity, say goodbye.
1: Goodbye, all.
0: Adios.